This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoyed this message. Okay, so I'm continuing this morning with a series we're doing called Kingdom Vision. And this is the third message. You can get the previous ones. You can get it online or on our podcasts. You can subscribe to Show for East London podcasts, and you can get those messages. But it's uh, it's been a good few weeks. It's really been good just for me to go through these these principles and these scriptures. I can I can I can really feel. I can really sense God is doing something in me. So I hope God is doing something in you as well. And uh, I'm gonna I'm excited about this morning because I wanna. I want to help us. As you see there the, on, on the screen, you see the picture there. Kingdom vision, the one window where you just see death and destruction like a burnt down field. You know, that is when we see according to our physical eyes. It's called a carnal mindset. As you, 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 won't, you only see what's bad. And that, that, that negative, unbelieving mindset will lead you into the wrong direction it will lead you into the flesh. Well, if you see like in the other window, you see this beautiful tropical island and you see the sun shining down there. That is um, seeing things as God sees them. So kingdom vision is about to see as God sees. Kingdom vision is about seeing what could be and what should be. And then to partner with God in bringing it to pass. If you, if you don't see right, you will, you will position yourself in the wrong place. Okay, so I shared the story or, or these pictures of basically a boxing ring of the flesh. Where the, 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 the devil is the king of the flesh. When you're in the flesh, the enemy will clop you. You'll, get, you'll just get into trouble. But then there's this other place. You're standing under the waterfall of the Holy Spirit. This is a, a vision somebody saw. You're standing under a waterfall of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and this person saw me and Sonica just standing under this waterfall of the Spirit, just worshiping Jesus. There was somebody outside who was a man bound by chains. And as we were just worshiping Jesus, the power of God came and set him free. And he joined us in the Spirit. Okay, so I want to hold that picture before. That is being in the Spirit. You see, when you rest in God, He works for you. And when you're working, He rests. When you're in the flesh, when, you, when you're working in your own ability, I spoke about it last week, you, 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 you bind the Lion of Judah when you are in the flesh, when you are doing things in your own ability instead of leaning into the power of the Holy Spirit and doing things according to God's Word. So you, you want to unleash the lion of Judah by getting into the spirit. Okay? How do you do that? That's by surrendering to the Holy Spirit. Surrendering to God's guidance. Surrendering to his word. Surrendering to, to the way that he is leading you. When you do that, then you position yourself in a place where it's like the heavenlies open above you. And the light of heaven shines down upon you. And open heavens. Come on, say open heavens. Open heavens, that's what you want. When you are in the Spirit, it's an open heavens. God comes down in the fullness of His Holy Spirit. When you are in the flesh, it's like the heavenlies close up. It's dark clouds and you're on your own. And it's a battle and it's feeling, it's a heaviness, it's a 
the pricing uh, experience. So you want to position yourself in the right way. I, I see it as follows. Uh, who's seen the movie called Frozen Animation? All the parents in the house have definitely seen it 55 times. <laughs> Let it go. <sighs> so there's this little snowman. You remember the little snowman? And so while everything was cold, the, the main character, Elsa, she, everything got cold in the land, and she made this little snowman, and while everything was cold, he was fine, because the atmosphere around him was, was keeping him, him frozen. But now, as it, he, things heating up, what happened? He started to melt, and he didn't realize the effects of the heat. And then right at the end of the movie, when everything was turned back to the normal, sorry, spoiler, spoiling everything now, everything came back to normal, then Elsa made this snowman his own little snow cloud, his own little snow atmosphere. So even though it was hot outside everywhere else, he had his own coolness, his own climate. I'm calling it kingdom climate. Because his own, his, he had his own little environment. He was not affected by his environment. And, and I believe that is how it should be for us, just the opposite way around. In the sense of not cold, but fire, Holy Spirit fire. The, the presence and the power of God filling, are creating our own atmosphere around us, within us, and over us. Like you are in open heavens. Wherever you go, you are in open heavens. Everywhere else, there's dark clouds. But you like, yes, God is good. Life is good. Awesome. Let's have some fun. Because what? You, 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 you are in the spirit. You are, you are in open heavens. You've created your own atmosphere by the Holy Spirit. But outside, it is cold and dark and dreary. But if we lose this atmosphere... That coldness will infect us and affect us and pull us down. We will become lukewarm and cold. And that's not what you want. Amen. Come on, say it. Fire is good. Umlilo. Umlilo. Fire. We've learned fire is the Holy Spirit fire. So there's an atmosphere you want to create, but how do you create it? This is, I, want, I want to answer this question today. How do you create an atmosphere on the inside of you and around you, where you become a walking open heavens. How do you transition out of the flesh, out of seeing things that are, oh, I just see negative things and, oh, it's just bad. I'm just unbelieving and critical and things don't look great. How, how do you transition from, from that mindset and that environment into the spirit? Okay, so that's what I want to, I want to answer. I want to give you a few, a few Awesome solutions to this. Amen. So let me pray, and then I'm going to share. Father, thank you for life in abundance. Thank you, Lord. You've called each one of us to be in open heavens. Each one of us to see with eyes of light. And so, God, we pray that you'd speak to us. We pray, God, that your word would come alive to every one of us. And, Lord, we ask that you'll transition us out of the flesh and into the spirit. Pray this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So the title for today is Eyes of Light. Eyes of Light, if you want to put down a title. So let me take you to the, our, our main, main verse, Matthew 6, 22 
to 23. And this is Jesus speaking, and it's a profound scripture. It is a revolutionary scripture because it's like it gives you a completely different paradigm to looking at yourself and your world. It says, Jesus saying, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, come on, say healthy. Your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, say unhealthy. Your whole body is filled with darkness. And if, you, if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. It's a profound scripture. So let me unpack it for you. Jesus saying, your eye, your eye, your, your way of looking at life is like a lamp. And the way you see will determine if light is on the inside of you or if there will be darkness on the inside of you. He says, when your eye is healthy, your whole body will be filled with light. It's glorious. It's wonderful. But when your eye is unhealthy, if your way of looking at life is unhealthy, your body will be filled with darkness. And then he says, and if you don't even know it, how dark will the darkness be within you? In other words, you could be a Christian. Because Jesus said, you are the light of the world. So we are supposed to be the light. But if our way of looking at ourselves, our surroundings, at God in an unhealthy way, you can be a Christian, but you're just adding to the darkness. So let me illustrate. Guys, can we have some lights? More, 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 more. Okay, so you have now a representation of what the world looks like. The world is dark. We've turned off the lights. And then you can, you turn to Jesus. Woohoo! And suddenly, I'm turning on the lamp now, so you can, can I can reveal this is your eye. This is, this is you. This is every believer. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. So you go around and you're shining light in the darkness, shining light in the darkness. We are called to shine the light. Amen. But now what happens is, and I often meet Christians, there was the time when they were excited about life and Jesus. They were excited. It was like, oh, God is so good. You know, and at some point down the line, they become disillusioned. They become negative in the, in the way of looking at the world around them. They become maybe bitter. They become unbelieving. They become cynical. They become critical. They become, they, they, the eye becomes unhealthy. And the result is that they are Christian in name. But in actual fact, this is all they are. They cannot change the darkness. They cannot change their environment because they have embraced an unhealthy mindset. Are you seeing it? And, and so the world is full of darkness, but I tell you, there are large portions of the body of Christ that are not helping. <laughs> they are not adding light. They are adding darkness because of the way that they look. 
because of the way that they perceive their environment. And so the way you look will determine if there is light or darkness within you. Amen. Lights, please. So that is what Jesus is basically saying. If, if your, your, your vision, if your way of looking is unhealthy, bad, your life will be, your, your whole being will be filled with darkness. You know, sometimes I meet with people, I'm like, oh my soul. How can you call yourself a believer and you are that hopeless? How is that possible? That negative. Well, what makes you different from the rest of the world? Everybody else is negative about ESCOM and the economy. My apologies to all the ESCOM employees in the house. But, but, but one of the ways that, that our, our, our sight becomes unhealthy is when we get offended. Now, this works for all believers. Now, as we are working with 50 plus pastors in our church family, and, uh, and I, I've seen this. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how long you've been in a full-time ministry. If your heart gets wounded, you lose your way. So we had like meetings in the past, even just as pastors together. And I am like, this was epic. God in the house, open heavens. I mean, the power is, God is in the house. Most significant moment that I feel we've had as a church family in 20 years. Uh, God is here. And then you speak to some guys who's like, meh, whatever. That was boring. I'm like, what? On what planet are you? How, how, how did you not see it? How did you not feel the presence of God in our midst? Offended. Heart became hard. Heart became cold. The heavens close. All they, they have, they, they carry their own little cloud with them. The rest of us are like, yes! Let's have a party. Jesus is awesome. And they're like, this is horrible. I'm dying. Cloudy, depressing. Eh? It's the same way in, in, in the church service. Some people are like, yes, that was awesome. Others are like, meh. That was okay. But compared to that guy or that or that, oh, that church, oh, that's awesome. That's wow. Are we missing out? Because it's our perspective, our kingdom vision. Do you have kingdom vision? What is the paradigm that you are looking through? If you're looking through a heavenly perspective, you will be blessed. But if you look through the eyes of, of offense and disillusionment and bitterness and oh, been, the, the, the most challenging people are those who have been in the kingdom for a long time. I've heard it all. Do you know how many Bible studies I've done? You can have many, many Bible studies and you can be completely blind, full of darkness, because your heart has been Wounded. Disillusion. It's not about how long. I tell guys, I see it with pastors losing their way. Doesn't matter how, how much you know. It doesn't matter how long you've been in the game. The question is, how's your vision? What are you seeing? How's your heart? What are you seeing? Are you seeing what could be and what should be? Are you seeing from a place of hope and excitement and joy? Are you seeing from a place of unbelief and 
and hopelessness. So look at this, Isaiah 64. I've been trying to fit this scripture in for three weeks, and I'm just going to read it now because it's awesome. It says, oh, that you would rend the heavens, open the heavens, that you would come down. And that God would come down through his Holy Spirit, that he'd pour out his spirit in our midst. That the mountains might shake at your presence. Whatever we are facing, whatever obstacle we're facing, when God comes, mountains move. When you did awesome things. Come on, say awesome things. For which we did not look. We did not even expect it, and yet you did awesome things. Our God is a God who does awesome things. The mountains shook at your presence. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, nor has this, the eye seen any God besides you who acts for the one who waits for him. The world has never seen any God besides you because there, there are no other gods. There's only one. The God who acts for the one who waits for him. Now, this waiting is not a passive waiting. It's an active Active pursuing God, but you're looking to wait for Him. My, my hope is in Him. Amen. I'm looking to Him. And, and this is defining. I sometimes travel to churches and places and I'm like, Oh my word. There's so much unbelief in this house. This is horrific. <laughs> because of the way, the way they perceive, the way the, 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 the culture, the, the, the environment has been created. It's like uh, negativity or, oh, nothing's going to happen. Oh, it's not going to work. No. Faith unlocks the power of God to move in our midst. Faith unlocks it. So I want to give you keys to, three keys, keys to shifting your sight into the light. Three keys to shifting your sight into the light. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. I want to break those down. You see, our sight, our vision, our sight releases light when we see right. Our sight, our vision, releases light on the inside of us and around us when we're seeing right. When we see it from God's perspective. God can never be hopeless about anything. So here we get... Three keys. It says, rejoice always. Come on, say rejoice always. It's the shortest scripture in the Bible, shortest verse in the Bible. Rejoice always. If you want to memorize scriptures, this is a good place to start. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. What is God's will for my life? Well, there's a good place to start. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So when do we rejoice? We rejoice when we have won something. Do you agree? You were playing a sports match. It was tight. You won in the end. You're like, yeah. All the, all the things. <laughs> so I'm thinking 1995, Rugby World Cup. We haven't won a soccer World Cup, so sorry, guys. It will be rugby, will be the example. So I remember that final, and, you know, we were so stressed. We were coming up against the mighty All Blacks. The whole nation, for those who were watching rugby, came to a standstill. 
My dad was at Ellis Park during the game there, and he said it there, and when they were singing the national anthem, he was crying. I mean, grown men were crying. It was a moment. It was a moment. It's like, oh, everything came down to this. Could we win? Everybody was anxious while we watched the game, sitting on the edge of our seat, probably taking beer cans and chucking the screen. Kill Lomu. Kill him. Kill him. So it was, it was, it was intense. And then at the end, extra time. Oh my word. Now we really, how are we going to solve this? How are we going to, can we do it? Come on, boys. Come on. In the end, we won. Glory. Yo, we were excited. I remember we were like a bunch of, I was a matric, I think, so a bunch of us were like running around and teachers allowed us to drink beer. Shocking. I didn't know Jesus yet. So uh, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was a party in South Africa. But we won. And do you know what? We won to such an extent that the win can never be taken away from us. It can never be undone. We are world champions since 1995. <laughs> Which is awesome. So that the whole nation was like, there was an incredible time of feasting and celebrating and rejoicing and, 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 and this parade, parades in the streets and they're, yeah, rejoice. And I believe that's the same. This rejoicing that it's speaking of is not dependent on the World Cup. Sorry, guys, it's going to be a tough year. I want to, unfortunately, I need to prophesy it's going to be a tough year. <laughs> but we're not going to go up and down according to what the sports are doing. We are rejoicing because there is one who won it for us at the cross. 2,000 years ago, Jesus died on the cross and he won the ultimate, ultimate victory for us already. Go read the end of the Bible. We win. This is massive. We are not sitting on the sideline or on the edge of our seats like, oh, I hope we're going to win. Oh, I hope we're going to make it in life. Oh, I hope my life's going to mean something. No, I'm like, yes, Jesus, you've won it. We fight from victory, not for victory. He's already won it. I mean, if you've already won it, you can rejoice. You see, from our perspective, it sometimes things don't look so great. Like, oh, no, no. but I can look to the eternal one and what he has already won for us and I can rejoice. Yes. He's won it. Now I must just release that victory into this world, into my environment, into my, into my, into my being. You see, but unfortunately, when it comes to what I call dead religion, they tend to mess things up. Because your churches, Christians who are very joyful, do you know that people look down on them like, these joyful, happy people. Something's wrong with them. Something's wrong, I tell you, must be of the devil. Eh? They just do happy, happy, clappy. Oh, my soul, there's something wrong. So I remember this, there was the story of a guy, a monk, to illustrate this, a monk, old monk. He's been a monk for many, 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 many years. That means, you know, not getting married. No wife, just at the monastery, secluded, 
staying away from the bad world. And then this young monk came to the monastery and the, and the older monk was taking him through, you know, how they do things. They have this book about how we function as monks. You know, this is how we do things. And so he was opening a book and then realized, oh, no, there's one page missing here, so I can't read this so well. So the older guy said, man, I'm going to go down to the basement. I'm going to go find the original book. I'm going to find the original one. That this one is not the original one. I'm going to find the original book. I'm going to go get that one, and then I'm going to read it to you. So um, the, the old guy goes down to the basement, but hours later, he has not returned. So the young monk is like, what's going on? So he goes down to the basement. He finds the old guy there on his knees, Weeping. Ah, ah. He was very upset. He was very upset. And the young guy's like, what's wrong with you? Why are you so upset? And he said, I, I read what the original one says. It says celebrate, not celibate. <laughs> See, (laughs) that is unfortunately what I see dead religion do. They take the celebrate and they take the R out and they make it celibate. It's like, no, you're not going to have fun. You're going to be in the corner somewhere and uh, not enjoy life. For those who are wondering about the Bible, we have evidence that it's the same as the original one. So don't worry. Don't worry. The Bible is safe. We have original manuscripts from 2,000 plus years ago. So we know it is, it is trustworthy. But it, for, for, but it actually says in the Bible, do not prohibit to marry. Do you know that? But there are whole massive church groups that say you're not married. If you're a priest, you may not marry. Figure that one out. Okay. But the point I'm trying to make is that the, the, the key to transition out of the flesh into the spirit is rejoice. Be joyful in the context of what Jesus Christ has won for us. He's done it. I don't know how things are, I don't, I don't know the details about the future, but I know my God has won it all. And now I can live in that victory. You know, so along with this, I think this is sometimes a test for us. And in our church, we do testimonies often of what God has done. And, you know, but sometimes we hear a testimony of something happening. You know, someone getting healed, maybe meeting their husband, maybe um, financial breakthrough or, or, or something like that. How do you respond? How do you respond to that? Because sometimes we hear a testimony we're like, Ugh. you're smiling outside, but inside you're dying. I'm so happy for you. But actually, you're not very happy. Because you're like, God, what about me? What about me? Lord, I would also like a breakthrough. You see, but if you want to walk in the Spirit, you need to rejoice when someone else gets a breakthrough. You need to get excited. You need to make, make a point of it. To put time aside. And go, Man, I'm so excited. God, I'm just celebrating what that, what that financial breakthrough. And I know mine's coming, Lord, but I'm celebrating theirs now in the name of Jesus. Rejoice. Rejoice and you step into the spirit. Our sight releases light when we're seeing right. So I want to take you to a verse, Mark chapter 8, verse 15. Again, Jesus speaking and he's highlighting a 
is, is, is warning believers from something that influences their hearts. He actually says this is the, the, some of the root causes of somebody getting a hard heart. So look at this, Mark 8, 15. He says, then he charged them saying, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Come on, say beware. Beware of the leaven. Now, what's leaven? Leaven is something small that influences the greater part. So it's something small, but it, it influences the rest. And so the, the leaven of the Pharisees would be what I call dead religion. It's a dead religion influencing the way we see and the way we live. But it's under the guise of it's Christianity, and this is what the Bible says. So an example would be often religion lacks love, lacks mercy, and it lacks the power to transform. And so what happens is there's a there's large parts of the of the of the Christian world where where there are men and women of God who are writing and sharing and preaching in a way that I believe is actually destructive. To the hearts and minds of believers. I'm going to give you an example in a moment. But Jesus said, beware guys of the leaven, the small little influences of the Pharisees, but they are actually causing you, as he says later, your heart to become hard. On the other side, we have what I believe the, the leaven of Herod is secularism. Secularism is when, when it's like worldliness that creeps in. So you are so full of the spirit of this world, that there's no, 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 no place for the spirit of Christ. If you feed your flesh, you will fail. If you feed your flesh, you will fail. If you feed, feed your flesh, you will fall. If you feed your spirit, you will become strong. How do you feed your spirit? Getting into the word of God, filling yourself with God's word, filling yourself, as I say now, with praying and, and, and drawing near to God. But so, so look at this, Matthew 22, verse 29. This is a hugely significant scripture. You should make a note of this. It says, Jesus, again, he spoke to the Pharisees and he said to them, you are mistaken. Come on, say mistaken. The word mistaken could be translated deceived. You are in error. Why? Not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. This is massive. Jesus says, if you want to, if you want to walk in, in truth, if you want to be set free with his light, if you want to walk in what is right, not be deceived, not be mistaken, not be in error, you need to know God's word and you need to know God's power. Come on, say both. You need both. You know, I meet people sometimes and they say, all you need to know is the Bible. All you need to know is the Bible. If you know the word, you're fine. According to Jesus, are you fine? No, you're not. You're not fine. The, the large parts of the body of Christ is saying, if you just know the scriptures, you know it all. You're fine. No, no, it says, you know, and the power of God. Because if you don't know the power of God, you will misinterpret the scriptures. You will look at the scriptures from an unbelieving, small-minded limiting perspective. So I spoke to some guys even the last few weeks 
There's this guy, I, 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 I don't often do this, but I want to just put it out there. You might have heard of a guy called John MacArthur. Now, his ministry is called Grace to You. It should actually be judgment to you. <laughs> so he doesn't believe that there are still miracles for today. He believes in cessationism, that miracles have passed away, as I say often, as if God is dead. He's not dead. Now, what he has said, and, and, and the people around him, there's a whole movement around them where they're basically saying, churches like ours who believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the power of God, charismatic churches, we are all going to hell. That's what he's saying. 600 million of us are all going to hell. Yo, it's going to be a big hell. <laughs> Small heaven. But the things that he is promoting is from the context of, but we are biblical. I spoke to a guy even recently also about it. And they, 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 they take man-made paradigms and they add it to the scripture to reinterpret the scripture. And then they say they are biblical. For instance, there are no more miracles for today. Uh, fivefold ministries also fall in a way. Uh, other things that these guys also say is like, you cannot lose your salvation. In other words, you, if you once prayed the prayer, you are always saved. Now, see, guys, now that is unbelievably dangerous. So why? Well, I've prayed the prayer, so why should I follow Jesus now? So Jesus is saying, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, an influence that removes the power of God and also the mercy of God from Christianity. Super dangerous. So, we need to understand this. And we also need to be aware that if there are people that say, um, well, this is how you interpret the Bible, but they do not believe in the power of God anymore, then you should ask a question about the interpretation of Scripture. There are obviously areas that is fine, you know, moral code and the basic things, but they tend to move out of their area of influence or their area of expertise into an area where they should actually be quiet. For instance, in John MacArthur's church, they are ushers going around. If the people in worship lift their hands, then they would come to them and tap them and say, put down your hand. Because we know the Bible says lifting holy hands to God, but we know your hands are not holy. So please li- drop your hands. <laughs> drop your hands. What, 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 what about the scripture say we are saints? We are no longer sinners. We are now the righteousness of Christ through, through his blood, we are now made new creations, new creatures in Christ. Oh, so, I, yo, so every now and again, I meet people like this, and I'm like, Lord God Almighty, help me now. Because they have embraced a, a paradigm that, you know, for instance, one of the paradigms that the guys also embraces, if in any way you would say that a genuine miracle happened, that is evidence that you are false. Because there are no more miracles. Now I'm thinking of where, where the Pharisees spoke about Jesus and said, he's doing miracles by the power of the devil. So I'm like, ah, Pharisee. <laughs> but we need to evaluate our hearts. What are the things that we are allowing to influence ourselves? Are we embracing the word of God and the power of God? Because then you are going right. Secularism, they don't embrace the power of God nor the word of God. So there are all these things that the, you know, the, the, the leaven of Herod, it would be something like this. You can't not sleep together before you get married. Because you see, it's like buying a car. 
you first need to test drive the car to make sure everything's working. Then you get married. Now that's what, a, what the world is saying. So that's not the word of God. That's not the power of God. And missing the game completely. Because why, by the way, the woman's not the car. So she's not a car. She's not a car. And you want God to bless you. So you want to position yourself in a place where you obey God's word. You obey God, the, the, the word of God so that you can be blessed. Does God love you? Yes, he does. Doesn't matter what you do. He still loves you. But you're not going to experience his blessing when you disobey his word. Amen? And you deny the power of God that is able to help you to become pure and holy and obedient to God. Anybody can sleep around. True? That does not take expertise or self-control. But it does take the grace of God to walk in purity and holiness. And God has a standard that he's calling you and me into. Amen. And I have good news for you. God designed them male and female. It fits, man. It works. Lacquer. No problem. There is no problem. <laughs> Amen. True, true. I'm speaking the truth. Mark chapter 8, verse 17 to 18. It says, but Jesus being aware of it, this is just a little bit later after he spoke about beware of the leaven. He said, why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Do you get that? Come on, say hardened. So the leaven makes your heart hard and critical. Guys, it says that having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? I meet Christians sometimes and I'm like, I can't believe at the way that you are looking at life. How can you be that critical? How can you be that critical about a, a church or an environment or a doctrine? Or how can you be that negative? I'm just like, oh, you wrong perspective. Leaven, shift, shift to grace and mercy and, and love. But we need to evaluate how are we looking. Jesus says, guys, you have eyes, but you don't see. Do you not hear? Do you not remember? Amen. Okay, so quickly, last two there. 1 Thessalonians 5 or 16 again. It says, shortest verse in the Bible. It says what? Rejoice always. Yes. Secondly, it says pray without ceasing. Come on, say without ceasing. Why is this profound? It says Pray continuously, a lifestyle of prayer. Every moment of the day, you are in fellowship with God. Your heart turned to God. Imagine you and I would live like that. And I said this last week as well. But we are to draw near to God so that we can draw God into our environments. Draw near to God so that you can draw him into your home, into your family, into your workplace, into your environment. I mean, we are called to, 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 re so the first one is we rejoice in the victory of Christ. We're like, yes, you've done it all. You've paid the price for all our sins. Even if we fail, even if we stumble, even if we mess up, if we turn to you, Jesus, you will wash us clean. You love us so much. We rejoice in the victory. But now we are to release that victory into our world. How are we going to do it? Pray. Pray. Jesus said that. He taught his disciples how to pray. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. 
Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So it's through prayer. We take up that position of kingdom vision. Man, I'm celebrating the victory of Christ. God, you've got this. You've done it. You've, it's, it's, it's a done deal. We win. But now, Lord, I release your victory into my environment right now. Come on, say it right now. I release the victory of Christ into my environment. Amen. And then the last bit, verse 18. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So I want to quickly ask you this question. What is the quickest way? The quickest way. The number one tool to step out of the flesh and into the spirit. Oh, I gave it away already. Eh? <laughs> Giving thanks is immediately, it's a massive shift. You're in a, in a difficult scenario, maybe even you're, you're fighting with your spouse or you're missing one another or you've, you're going through something really difficult at work, but there's just pressure piling on and you can feel it. It's just pulling you down. How do you transition out of that into the spirit? Best way is thanksgiving. Choose immediately, on the spot. You start thinking of all the things you can be thankful for. You're fighting with your spouse and you're like, man, at least I have a wife. (laughs) And we've come so far. So, (laughs) now you start start thinking of all the things. You want to shift your perspective so that you can open the heavens over you, move those dark clouds away, and then release the life of Christ into your environment. This lady said something that's so powerful. Betty Smith. She said this. In terms of to help you to be thankful, look at everything as though you were seeing it either for the first or last time. Look at everything as though you were seeing it for the first or last time. First, children, you've seen little kids, when they see something, even for the tenth time, it's like, what? It's a cat. Yes. Yes, cat. Come here, cat. Come, 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 come. But, but children have, they have this capacity to be excited about the smallest little things. And Jesus said we must become like children if we want to truly enter the kingdom of God. If you want kingdom vision, you need to become like a child. You need to be so excited about, yes, wow, what a privilege. I can come to church today. No one's chopping off our heads. Woo-hoo. What a blessing. I can read the Bible. It's not being burned. I have all these opportunities. God, thank you. I'm alive. I'm breathing. I have a whole future ahead of me. God, what could be possible for you to do in my life? You've already won it. God, I'm so thankful. Thank you. Come on, say thank you. But, but even to look at somebody with like, it's the last time. Because we, we get so um, casual with what we have and the people around us. We become casual with our spouse or our children. We're like, even when a difficult phase of the children is like, oh, kid's killing me. You know, gone sleep and, oh, you know. And we focus on the, on the challenges that we are going through instead of celebrating, man, this is such a gift from heaven. 
If you look at your child, if you look at your spouse, if you look at your friends, if you look at your loved ones, imagine if it's for the last time. You're seeing them for the last time. Now, some of us might be saying, man, uh, for some people, I hope it's the last time. Mother-in-law, last time, hallelujah. I am rejoicing today. (laughs) No, no, that's not Christian, huh? But imagine just looking at people, looking at your partner. Man, what if this is the last time we, 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 we close our eyes together as going to bed tonight? What if it's the last time I see my, I see my child? What is the last time that I have this opportunity to fish in the ocean? Whatever it is. Wouldn't that change the way we look at life? Wouldn't that change the way that we live? If we start looking at everything, it's the first time, oh, man, this is amazing. Last time, man, I am so present. I love you so much. I am so thankful for who you are. So last night, we, as a family, Sonica and, and Vian and, and myself, we, we had a, a braai at home. And then and our, when we were eating together, Sonica made the suggestion, let's, let's share three things about each other that we, that we value. Three things that we value about one another. Yeah, it was amazing. It was so special. It was such a God moment just by saying, hey, let's just value. And we started to share about one another. Do you do that? Do you stop at times just to celebrate, to be thankful for one another? Sonic and I often do this, even uh, like uh, anniversaries, uh, birthdays. Then we give one another a bit of homework. And the challenge is like Sonic uh, would say, like, 10 reasons why you would marry me again. And then I pray, Lord Jesus, help me now. Because you can't stop at 10. You need to go beyond 10. Because that's the, the woman says 10, but actually she's hoping 15. For all the men, just if you, if you don't know. That's how it works. (laughs) But what if we would create environments, opportunities, moments, God moments, that we choose to say the things that we otherwise don't make the time to say? Say it. Share it. Be thankful because that's how you shift. You need to continuously do it. Otherwise, your heart becomes cold and you lose it. But if you want a transition... Out of the flesh, an unbelieving, critical, negative way of looking at life into the fullness of the Holy Spirit, into the Spirit, into that place, the open heavens, you need to rejoice. A continual feast of joy. Amen. Celebrating what God has done for us, celebrating who He is, celebrating that He's got this, celebrating that He's going to make things work out good. That he's going to make things work out for the best. But how do we often respond? We're like anxious. We're like, I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what's going to happen. And that anxiety actually disconnects us from that open heavens. Quick question. Why do we have communion? But what does it symbolize? What is the purpose of communion? Have you thought about it? Do you you actually know why? Okay, I can give you a few reasons. Number one, it's to celebrate what Jesus has done for us. 
He says, remember me in this. Remember what I have done. So every time you take the bread and the wine, you are reminding yourself of that ultimate victory that Jesus has won at the cross. Jesus hung on the cross and he said, it is finished. Come on, let's say it. It is finished. The World Cup, the Universe Cup, has been won. The Universe Cup has been won. So let me read 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-three to 26. It says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks... He broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Do you, do you read it there? It says there, after he had given thanks. After he had said, God, Father, thank you for what you are doing. They took the bread. They took the wine. It says in verse 25, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. You proclaim his death. You proclaim his victory. So guys, how do you know dead religion? One of the ways is there's a lack of joy. <laughs> there's a whole lot of lack of joy. And, and is the kingdom of God serious business? Yes, it is. It's... The difference between heaven and hell for millions. But there's a place of joy where we access the victory of Christ and we release life into our world. So I want to ask you, as we're going to have communion now too, to evaluate your heart. Has your heart become hard? Has your heart become cynical, disillusioned, judgmental, critical, unbelieving? Has your heart become anxious? Has your heart become sick? Because if it becomes sick, those dark clouds will cover you instead of an open heavens where the presence of God can fill you and overflow you. Amen. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.